Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to The Futurist with your hosts, Ben Rohde and Alex Lightman. Each week, we feature a specific aspect of our collective future with action steps you can take to make your own future better and brighter. Our guest experts are top futurists in their field who will remind you that anything is possible. Give us 90 minutes and we'll give you the future. Welcome to The Futurist with your host who is losing his voice. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing Alex Lightman today, and he is going to be interviewing me. And we're going to be talking about a topic that I'm sure is going to be controversial. We're going to be talking about why democracy doesn't work. And so we just want to, the, the idea here, the intention here is for us to just kind of plant an idea bomb inside of your head that may make sense now, it may make sense later, it may never make sense, but it may create the fuel for you to use your own critical thinking skills and kind of just pay attention to some of what's really not working um, in the United States right now. And so Alex has some very, very... Uh, really, really cool ideas. And I have some too that have really been popping in for me. I I took the last two weeks off to uh, sit under the proverbial Bodhi tree and find myself and find my version of of enlightenment and clarity. And it's been a great two weeks. And so it's kind of why we've been taking some time off. And we're also bringing on a really good friend of ours and uh, the COO of my company, also the CEO of her company, uh, Mayfair, um, Atia Manzor, as our producer, starting in maybe the next show. I think she'll be on live starting in December. Uh, so anyway, lots to, lots to talk about, lots of fun new changes. But let's get into talking about the future of governing, the future of government and why it may not be democracy. So Alex, my question for you, my first question is, thoughts because I know you've thought a lot about different forms of government because that's who you are as a futurist so I want to I want to get your opinions and insights on why democracy is broken or why it doesn't work or why it is not the supreme form of rulership that that we all have been taught that it is sure uh, now these comments uh, I'll be using examples from the US however it's true um, I'll, 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 go, I'll cut to the heart of it uh, because if people have a short attention span, I want to make sure that they're aware of this particular distinction. There's a distinction between uh, being asked your opinion about something and about ownership. So, for instance, um, if, I have, if I own my home, 
I can go in and make a garden in my home. Now, there may be people who say, well, you have to have a lawn, you can't have a garden, etc. But within the, without these restrictive covenants and stuff in general, you can do what you want with your property as long as it doesn't harm or hinder other people. So Ross Perot, who got 19% of the election and made Bill Clinton president in 1992 election and got 9% in the 1996 election, amazingly, even though he quit his campaign, in some ways paved the way for Donald Trump because uh, he was a person who's a businessman, uh, an actual billionaire, and he didn't have a day of service in public office. And I'll get to that in, in a minute. So the, he asked the question, who owns the United States and who owns the U.S. government? And he said, well, you're the owner. You own it all because you're the taxpayer. But that's not actually true. Ownership requires five things. The first is a certificate, like you have a, um, you know, you give your license and registration of your car. You say who owns the car, even if it's a company or it's yours. It determines some things legally. Um, you know, you have a certificate for stocks, or at least you have a record and a record of the record. Um, you know, you have chains of title, all that. The second thing is you have the ability to sell it if you want and get the money for it. The third thing, uh, unless it has a restrictive covenant, but at some point you have the ability to sell it. The third is a fraction of all the profits. The fourth thing is the right to quarterly and annual reports on the disposition of your, of your property. And the fifth thing is a proportional say in its governance. And so what I proposed is equitocracy, government by owners, and giving everybody who's a citizen some fair – even fractional ownership on their 18th birthday, and then they vote their shares. And if you sell mm. your shares, well, then you, you know, it, the shares would have a much bigger value right before an election. So if you don't feel like voting, but you do feel like having your asset increase, you could sell your shares right before the election to somebody who had a very, was very passionate, and then afterwards. And when I first proposed this uh, more than 20 years ago, people said, well, Bill Gates would buy the U.S. government. The thing is, even <laughs> then, the U.S. government would cost $75 trillion, and Bill, let's say $75 billion, you cannot take control of something with one thousandth of those assets. But let's just play that through. He takes all his money, and he sells all his Microsoft shares and all his Coca-Cola shares, and he sells all of his Monsanto shares, and he buys America Inc. shares. Now he votes them. Well, we see how he votes them, and we ask him about it. And we, you know, we are able to learn more about what the owners are doing. So here's the problem with democracy. We don't know who's acting as if he or she or they are the owners of this America Inc., California Inc., Santa Monica Inc., New York Inc. We don't know who these people are, and we don't know what they're doing with these assets. Now, we can, we can see glimpses of it in a few places, and it doesn't look good. So one thing is there's federal land. The federal government owns a lot of land. It owns most of the land that's in the western United States, the 13 western states. So what do they do with it? Well, we lease it to oil and gas companies, and oil and gas companies put in 21,000 requests to get various pieces of property, and they got all pushed through. Yeah, sure, go ahead, rubber stamp it. When 120 applications were made to put solar panels on this land, um, the U.S. government said, oh, we have to have a moratorium on solar. It's too many. It's too many. We can't handle it. Now, clearly, that part of the U.S. government 
has is part of regulatory capture or state capture. The oil companies own the process of the land, and because we don't see ourselves as owners, they have 144 million acres that they are going and polluting with oil and gas. And there's plenty of rivers that go through this. Now, it's only very occasionally that like the DAPL, the Dakota Access Pipeline, that President Obama said, well, let's just see it play out over the next few weeks. It's only in a few rare cases that we realize, whoa, wait a minute, they're putting that through 200 rivers. Two, a pipeline is going through 200 rivers and it includes sacred burial grounds. How did this happen? Well, one of the guys working on DAPL used to be uh, the top guy in the Army Corps of Engineers, and he got his buddies to give up, uh, to put a request for a permit. And just with the request for the permit, they're just driving it through. Now, we don't have the time to go over all that, but my point is that what are they? They're using 144 million acres of federal land. Oil is a trillion dollar plus business. The U.S. consumes yeah. a third of the world's <clears throat> gasoline. What do they pay for all that? They pay about $6 billion but they, a year, but they get more than that in subsidies and tax benefits and all that. So the bottom line is that these guys are using the United States as if they own it, and that's why we can't get rid of that. So my point is that with elections, if there isn't some form of ownership conveyed, that I think people shouldn't play the game. I asked online um, if people could guess how I was voting. And only two people, you're one of them, uh, guessed was I'm not voting at all because I'm not going to vote for something where the system is fake. And what I mean by fake is this. This is, this is the experience part. If you look at what's been happening over time, the big picture, we have seen weaker and weaker candidates in the sense of having executive authority over something, like a classic path to presidency might be you were the mayor and then you were the governor and you you know you so you ran your city and then you ran your state and then you ran you know then you could run the country and you had your group of people who you've tried them you know did the buses run on time do the trains run on time does the trash get picked up is the water free of contaminants like you have all these issues now as dumb as george bush was he was actually governor of texas and Ronald Reagan was governor of California. Jimmy Carter was governor of Georgia. And whenever you had this kind of contest between a governor and a senator, the governor usually won because people had this sense, it's like, well, you've actually operated something. The problem with all, with three out of the four candidates, and I'll get to Gary Johnson in a second, is that, first of all, let's start with Jill Stein. She's never had a day of running anything in her life. So how do you go and do on-the-job training with the presidency? It's absurd. And Donald Trump has run corporations, but he hasn't run um, government entities. They're, they're not run the same way. Uh, Hillary Clinton has never had that kind of operating responsibility either. And so we're given candidates who have less and less experience. Gary Johnson ran New Mexico. New Mexico is a state that I lived in for five years, and it's – you know, it's a state of a million and a half people that's basically run on two things, the, the, the Department of Energy nuclear business and tourism. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot of brain power, but at least it's, it's something. Um, however, why do we have people with so little experience? Well, because it's so that you can have a front person and you can have people who are really owning things behind the scenes and operating as owners yeah. to have their way because – they don't have somebody who's able to resist all these influences. 
So that's my basic summary is that I think we need a better system from than democracy, and I think we need something that involves ownership. Um, since we're interviewing each other, I'll now ask you a question. Ben, you've been meditating on many things, including the purpose of government and the future of government. What have you learned overall? It doesn't have to be about government um, in general, and what have you learned about government over the over the few weeks? I I I I'm very eager. I, I'm the one who suggested this show because I wanted to have the the joy and pleasure of hearing what Ben has to say about his own experiences. And by the way, for those of you who are listening for the first time, I'm in Santa Monica, California, looking at a beautiful beach, and Ben has taken his gorgeous wife, Jen, uh, who is also a spiritual teacher and leads seminars and is a speaker and a counselor and an oracle and their children and moved to a gorgeous spot on the mountain in Costa Rica. So, Ben, what have you learned? And please share with us your wisdom. (laughs) <laughs> Great. First, I, I want to say that um, I think it's, it's interesting you bring up Ross Perot. I was actually, I'm hearing an echo in the, from, your, from your side. Um, when, I, when Ross was running for president, I was, I was Ross Perot for Halloween. <laughs> I dressed up as Ross Perot and I had, I had uh, plastic ears and it was funny. Yeah, so I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. He's actually worth, as of this year, $3.9 billion. So it looks like he's doing pretty good. And he's got this quote that I really like. The activist is not the man who says the river is dirty. The activist is the man who cleans up the river. So this is cool. So, okay. So I'm going to start with explaining why... I think democracy is broken. (laughs) And then I'll say what I think the the new form of government should be. So here's the thing. My wife and I, our life purpose is to get people on their life purpose. Our life purpose is to help people Realize their dream. First of all, remember who they are. Remember what they're capable of. And then to create the life that would be perfect for them. Right? The answer to the question, if you could do anything, have anything, be anything, what would you be? And then we help them discover ways for them to to be that, to become that. Now, everybody has their own ideas of what they want to do. Not everybody says, I want to be president. Yet everybody has an idea of how the president should run the country. Now, like you said, people like Jill Stein and, uh, and Trump have never run a country. They don't know anything about it. And it's a hell of a learning curve, right? Now, these are our presidential nominees. I mean, Trump has in some polls, the majority of the votes. Somebody who's never, never run a country, uh, some would argue that he hasn't even run a business successfully. I, I heard someone say that uh, Paris, Hilter, Paris Hilton built her fortune that she, that she inherited something like five times larger and three times faster than, than, than Trump, right? 
So I, I, I think that that's an irrelevant thing because basically people are pervs, and she made it, she did a sex video, but it was a two-camera shoot. I mean, who makes a two-camera shoot sex video by accident? <laughs> it was on purpose. Well. It's a and it's a path to riches that Kim Kardashian did as well. And as far as Trump, I mean, I just said I'm not voting for anybody. So, you know, the Trump, the people who go crazy if someone is voting for Trump can just calm down, take take a deep breath. <laughs> but uh, but Donald Trump has 600 businesses, and uh, you know what is it? At most, four to ten of them have failed. Hillary had exactly one corporation that she sent. The checks went to her in care of Hillary Rodham Clinton, and that was Whitewater. And more than 50% of the people who put money in lost all their money. They're, you know, and the worst thing that people say is Trump University, and basically, surprise, surprise. You know, there are plenty of people who've written letters, I think 37,000, saying that they're happy with what they got. And there are a few who are going to be shown in the future who are part of a class action suit that, win or lose, will probably evaporate. So I will compare one person starting Whitewater, which is basically a scam that had many, many people go to jail for with um, 600 businesses and a few of them failing. But the rest of your point, please proceed. Okay. Thank you for the additional info. So my point is that everyone can be an armchair diplomat, right? I, I feel like it's like people, the, the vision that comes to me is like people watching football. You know, I see the, the, the fat guy with the beer belly, beer in one hand, hot dog on the other hand, screaming at the television at, at the, the quarterback who just, uh, you know, got sacked, Right telling him what, what he should have done, right? A guy that's never picked up a football in his life. Now, I, I see this as people that are yelling at the government, people that are yelling at, the, at Obama, right? And, pe- and therefore, people that are voting as well. And so these are people that have never run anything in their life. They've never been in charge of anything in their life. Most of them can't even successfully run their household, right? Uh, in, in a way that, that could be expanded to, to how to run a country. Um, yet they think that they know best how to run a country as if they got put in that position, they would do an amazing job, right? And so now what this does for the leadership of the country for Obama, we'll say, and, and I'm just going to, I'm not even going to go into who actually runs Obama, right? I'm not even going to talk about who's running the country from behind the scenes. I'm just going to come from the, the position that Obama's the president, he's the leader, he's running the country, okay? Now, how is he, so even if he were going to do it right, even if he did have the vision, how is he going to do it with everyone getting in his way, with everyone screaming at him, and, and, and giving people the right to vote and saying, okay, you vote your conscience. What does this do? First of all, it makes people, it, it gives people an opinion. <laughs> I know a lot of the, 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 the people that, that I'm talking about right now, if they're listening to this, they're not going to like what I'm about to say, but the intelligent people, I think, are going to start, under, are going to understand. The people that run corporations, the people that run a business, the people that are leaders are going to understand what I'm saying. 
so these people are saying, okay, I get to vote. It is my duty in this democracy. We fought for the right to vote, so I'm going to vote. So they, you know, some people do their research. Most people don't. Some people, you know, most people get their, get their information, get their news from mainstream media, right? So we've got, and, and, and we've got, you know, one side gets, gets their information from one side of the media and the other, side, the, other person, the other side gets their information from the other side of the media. So what's happening now is we've got millions of people, hundreds of millions of people that think they know but have exact opposite knowings of the other people. So we've got half the people in the country that think one thing, and we've got half the people in the country that think the other thing. And what this does is it actually creates division. It actually creates division. I know you don't know. And the other person, no, I know you don't know. I'm the one that knows. I'm right. Right? But then what happens every time a president gets elected? They do their own thing anyway uh, while they're being blocked by the Senate and they're being blocked by, you know, opinion and they're, they're worried about what people think. And, you know, then they, they go into wars despite what people think. And so my, you know, the, the best, way, I mean, if, if you're looking at the different types of governments that I posted, democracy, republic, monarchy, aristocracy, dictatorship, and I'm not even going to count democratic republic. Um, and by the way, the U.S. is actually a republic. It's not actually a democracy. A democracy means that it's ruled by the people. A republic means that, uh, that the, the people elect representatives that make those decisions. So that's what the U.S. actually is. It's actually not a democracy. Yet we try to install democracy. It's, it's both. In, it's both at the same time. A republic is, is one where the laws are above the votes, and that's true in some cases. But when you have referenda, like in California, and you can change things, um, you know, you have checks and balances. It's both a republic. You can't say it's not a democracy uh, unless you want to go with the electoral college argument, but you have a democracy at yeah. the state and you know and all that. So it's both. It's not just a republican uh, or just yeah, a and, democracy. And I am I am also getting into the argument that the voting machines are able to be rigged and that there's able there, you're able to manipulate the the votes and the elections and and all this too, right? So anyway, that is also beside the point. So in this democracy. We've got everybody doing everything. The majority of the, so I'm, I'm going to venture a guess that the people that are listening to this show have a better understanding of their life purpose and what they're here for than 99.999% of the population on, in, the, in, in the planet. But I'm, I'm going to talk about the U.S. right now. So these people don't have clarity on and who they are and what they're here for. So they have, they have, they have, they have, they have, you know, they're trying to do everything. They don't know their life purpose. Now, if there was an opportunity for them to just know their life purpose and just know that this is what I'm here to do. This is what makes their life easy. 
This is what I'm here to do. I'm going to focus on what I'm here to do. So if we look at, if we look at, at, at the model of, let's say, a medieval kingdom, right, run by a king, a benevolent king and queen who are, this is their life purpose. And their people love them because they look out for their people. They care about their people. And the measure of a kingdom that works will be the happiness of the kingdom, the safety of the kingdom, the, the, the way that the people in the kingdom love their life and, and feel comfortable with their life, right? So if we look at this, we can kind of separate people into their vocations, right? Like, let's say, I, I'm just, so I want you to imagine like walking down the streets of this kingdom that I'm talking about. And on the left side, we've got the blacksmith banging away, build, building a sword or building a helmet. We've got the leather worker next door, uh, sewing a saddle, right? Next to him, we've got the, um, uh, we've got the shopkeeper, right? Then we've got the holistic medicine person. Um, we, we've got, you know, and everybody's, you know, their heads are down and they're, they're doing their work and they're in peace and they know what they're here to do and they're not seeking for more and they're not trying to figure out who they are. They know exactly who they are, right? And then, you know, we've got the, we've got the traveling merchants and we've got um, the king's advisors, and we've got the court jesters, and we've got the people uh, supporting the king and the queen in their, in their home and cooking and cleaning, and that's what they're here to do. That's what they love to do is to support and to be in the energy of the king and the queen, right? So now it doesn't take long for – it doesn't take many generations for that model to go wrong right, for the power to go to somebody's head and, it become, and the benevolent dictatorship, which is technically a, a king model, a benevolent dictatorship to turn into something much worse. And so a democracy is the other side of the spectrum of that. Of, it, it's, it's the answer to a democracy where it just went wrong, right? Where the, the, and this is what kind of creates the the negative connotation around a dictatorship. But here's the thing. The people in that kingdom don't carry the weight of ruling the kingdom, right? We've all heard the saying, uh, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Now the king gladly takes that weight off of the people because that's the king's purpose and the queen's purpose. They take that weight and they never get a day off. They never get a minute off. That's who they are. They're holding the weight of the kingdom. Now, the people, they do their job, and they take the night off. You know, they can drink, they can eat, they can be merry. And the king can, can do that too. But the king is always the king. Now, what's happening in the U.S. right now is everybody is carrying the weight, whether they know it or not, and the guilt and the shame of this election and what's happening right now. And we spent the last year and a half bickering and fighting and trying to figure it out and glued to our computer screens and our Facebook and the TVs as they're bitching about Hillary and bitching about Trump and, and pointing out how fucked our country is. 
and everybody's carrying the weight on this. What's going to happen to me? Is there going to be a financial collapse? What's going on right now? Are my kids going to be okay? Right? Everyone's, you know, we've got Trump's people stockpiling weapons and stockpiling food and everyone's preparing for doomsday. Right? And, and so if we just look at the effects of the democracy as it has been. Wait a is, minute. Everybody isn't preparing for doomsday. I, I, can't, I can't agree with that statement. There's not evidence I'm, of that. I'm not using everybody as 100%. You don't need to, you don't need to poke holes in, in the, the words. Listen to, listen to the energy of what I'm saying. Do you feel the energy of what I'm saying? Of, of the, the, people are, the people feel heavy. And you, you, may not, you may not have uh, insight to this, but I, I actually, I, I talk to people every day, right? I, 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 we run a membership um, group of 200 people, right? And we consider this our kingdom. And so this is what kind of some of our insights have come from is we have 200 people in our kingdom and they pay us a monthly fee. We'll call those taxes, right? And they come into this kingdom to see a better life for themselves, to see their, to, to discover their dream and to find their role, to define their role in, in their community and in their life. And you know, we used to, we used to run it like, okay, what do you guys want to do? And every time we even, if you even ask that question, everybody has an opinion and it's always a different opinion. And at some point it comes down to us making a decision anyway. So I'm not saying that, that the world, that the U S should be run like a, a, a dictatorship, a benevolent dictatorship, but I do think it should be run more like an aristocracy of leaders, of philosophers, where they are consulting each other in the best interest of the people in the best interest of where the outcome is everybody's on life purpose. Everyone's doing what they're supposed to do. Everyone's taken care of. Now, again, I have, I have the higher level vision. I've never run a country. I've experienced running, you know, running groups and, and running a, a membership site of 200 people, which Actually, we run it very well and is a, is a very clean way of doing it. So now, of course, I would need, I would, you know, this, this government of aristocrats would be, and, you know, there may be some kind of um, equi equi uh, equitocracy that you're, that you're talking about, but the point would be to take the weight off of the people because it's not everybody's job to lead. Not everyone was born to be a leader of a country. That is a heavy weight to bear. Not everybody wants that. I, I, used to work at a, um, I used to work at a club and I was the bouncer. I didn't want to be the manager. At some point I asked to be the manager and he said, cool, you made me the manager. I said, oh, never mind. I just want to go back to being the bouncer because I get to have fun. It's light. After, after work, I get to go home. When you're the manager, you've got to, you're responsible for everything. You're putting out fires. You're, you're the last one to go home. You're the, you're, the, you're the first one there and you're the last one to go home, right? So, so you know, and the, the kind of aristocracy that I see would be the type where we've got, we've got everyone's got a vision and it's a shared vision and it's a, it's a benevolent vision, right? Just because it is, not because it's trying to be benevolent, but just because it is, because that's who, who, we've, who we have in this board, right? And of course, it would be someone, you know, the, the, the major player in that would be you with all your information. 
and all the ways that you are you care about the people and you care about the planet and you care about everything working well and you've spent a lot of time thinking about it and you have the free time to think about it and to write about it and to discover it and you've traveled all over the world and you know world leaders and you've worked for governments you've advised governments you are uniquely qualified for something like this whereas the let's say panic who has studied cars their whole life but is yelling at the president isn't going to have the same behind the scenes information of what it actually means to to run a country in in a way that that makes it in a way that actually works right so anyway that's that's my piece i'll let i'll let you uh you can ask questions or you can talk about your your insights or well, sure. How do you keep people who have the control of the military from just what you, let's say you set this up. Let's say magically uh, you you have a that God is real and that your prayers reach God. Like there's some movie now with Will Smith and he writes a letter to death and death comes into his life and love comes into his life. And all this. let's say you write a letter to God and all this is reset. How do you keep the people with guns and violence and stuff from simply seizing it back. I mean, what what makes the United States so so well set up and what makes the Constitution um, is the checks and balances on power. And my concern about what you've just presented, and, and this is a show about the future of government rather than the past, is that we see that all throughout history, and this is, you know, humans have been around for uh, Homo sapiens sapiens for 300,000 years. And the first thing is how do you get over the violence? And the second thing is how do you prepare for catastrophic events? And I have not met too many people who have really studied human history and the catastrophes we've gone through because they don't have a name for it. But there was something that happened 57,000 years ago. I call it the Toba filter. Uh, this volcano blew up in the island of Sum what we now call Sumatra. And it reduced human population so much that we are all the descendants of 2,000 people. So we had probably millions of humans all around the world, maybe even other kinds of hominids. And then next thing you know, there are very, very few. And so we're actually really, really closely related to each other. We're like no more than 0.44% different from each other genetically. And we're very, very, very similar. So racism is actually kind of, kind of funny. Um, but how yeah. do we survive catastrophic events and how do we, you know, pull back from the power of corporations? Because I don't know of any person who's more powerful than Exxon, including the U.S. president. Like, I know this guy. He's a, he's a, uh, a classmate of mine from MIT, 1983, and we talked for hours at, at my 30th reunion a few years ago. He was one of the first 20 employees of Google. He made a lot of money, and he gives very generously to political causes, and he's had five different face-to-face sit-down meetings with Obama. And this guy is super green. He's like me. Uh, and he said, can we please get rid of coal? You know, I'm giving you all the money you asked for. Can we get rid of coal? And Obama said, well, you know, you, we have to pick one thing at a time and do that and focus on that, you know. And basically, uh, even the president himself is effectively saying to this guy, um, whose name is Dave Desjardins, um, that <laughs> – 
the oil companies are more powerful than he is, and he has to move slowly and do all these different things. And, and it just seemed to me, the way he was talking about it, is that that's sincere. So how do you keep corporations and how do you keep other countries uh, that want to attack? How do you keep all these things happening? Because I don't really know that I want dithering philosophers if, as Hillary Clinton revealed, there's a four-minute response time if you see a nuclear launch somewhere to get ready for it. I just don't see that all of the things that happen to keep a, a, a state from being destroyed or overrun or occupied can be done by nice people. You have to have some killers in there somewhere. Where do killers totally. and uh, fit into your system? Absolutely. So, and I, I'm sure <laughs> I, I love this question, and it's a fun thing to think about. And I I know that if I asked you the same question, you could answer it for me. So, <clears throat> you know, I've I, I, I'm, I'm starting to, you know, thanks to my, my wife's guidance, I'm starting to remember past lives, you know, whether it was actually, whether it actually were past lives or just the, the energy of remembering or knowing what it's like to be in different roles, right? So I'm remembering what it's like to be in different roles as a king and as a king's advisor and as a warrior and as a, a leader of of you know, in battle. And so something you know about me, Alex, is that I, in the first part of my life, I thought I was going to be a Navy SEAL. I thought I was going to be a contract killer. I thought I was going to be a, a mercenary. And I actually, I tried signing up for the Navy SEALs at 17 and my mom wouldn't send papers. I, I wasn't of age, so she had to sign. So I understand I'm, I'm not somebody who's just on the one spectrum of, of peace and love and we should all get along. And I understand the importance of protection, right? And so, you know, in a, in a country that protection would look like the military in personal life, it would look, it would look like self-defense and boundaries, right? Setting very clear boundaries and you can only set boundaries when you know who you are, right? And I used to get in a lot of fights. And I stopped getting in fights once I actually learned how to fight. And I, I gained the confidence of knowing that I was going to be okay. And so they could see it in my eyes. And so fights stopped coming to me, okay? So... Now, I don't have an example of, of this happening right now, but my intuition tells me that if we weren't a country that is currently bombing five countries and droning families and creating wars and killing millions, then we may be off the radar a little more than we are, right? So now, and here's the thing, the U.S. may never evolve or change or, you know, it's, again, there's no clarity in the country. There's no clarity. There's no unification of vision. Everybody is battling everyone else and everyone's battling the voices in their head, which are represented by everybody else, right? And so... 
this may not be something that that is even would work for a country as big as the United States. And there are people that don't know there's another way and, and don't know that they have the option to leave. And this is all there is. This for is them. But, well, this is where like I buy some of what you're selling and I, I don't buy other stuff, but I buy everything you're selling. If you do what you just did now, which is say it won't work at the scale. And this is where, right. um, where it just where let let's talk about rise for a second. So um, we're we're talking about you know being king of the United States, and right. and then you just said you know tell talk let, let's talk about that conversation because I do believe that you are on to something with rise and being the you know uh, let, let I I believe that you can that there should be a thousand experiments. And yeah. that ultimately that you could have people show that they can handle 800 acres. And then based on that, yeah. other people will come and it gets bigger and bigger. And by showing that you can add value, that you take something that's at one level of value and you increase that value, you have an argument. I mean, ultimately, to me, nobody should be running for office without being able to say, here was the value of the entity that Absolutely. I took responsibility for. Absolutely. And here's what my peer group value added. So if there's inflation, you know, okay, and everything's going up 10% a year and you increase value 5% a year, I mean, fuck off. You didn't actually even keep up with the average. But if the average of growth is 1% in value and the value is, you know, the good things minus the bad things, like you take everything into account, the net positive successes, then there's a track record that people should run on. And I look in particular at Hillary Clinton. If you look, and this is what I don't understand about her supporters, if you look at what she accomplished, and honestly, you have to admit, it's just not much. Like you ask people, what they, I've seen this on, on videos and TV shows many times. You ask people, who do you support? Hillary Clinton. Okay, great. What did she accomplish? And they just babble for five minutes because then not really right. say anything. Now, if you take the absolute value, you take all of the successes – and articulate them. And you can ask 50 people, you know, 100 people, 1,000 people, and say all the successes. And then you take all the minuses, all the things that are, like, that are, that are seen as failures or that give people pause or say that just isn't good. You end up with a negative number for her. There are more scandals than there are successes. That's just – I don't know that anybody could – that you could have an honest, objective conversation and not come up with that. And so – you know, if you actually made rise happen, 800 acres in Costa Rica, and you took land that's, I know, I've walked that land, I've seen it. It's like, you know, a couple horses grazing, some cattle, few cattle. It's not being used for anything. And you make a community where families can thrive and people can go and, you know, and you grow things, then that would be absolutely amazing. And I would say, okay, you have now accomplished more than Hillary Clinton, and you've accomplished more than Donald Trump and Gary Johnson and Jill Stein combined because they haven't done anything like that. They haven't shown that they can take a piece of land with people and make it more valuable. Absolutely, and, and, here's, and, and thank you for that. And so here's the thing. So Rise is, isn't only my vision. There are several people that are creating the vision of Rise. And so whether they see it you know, see my vision and, and run with my vision fully or not. Um, I could always create my vision somewhere else. Right. And, and so 
but I, this is my vision. My vision is to create a community where everyone is just free and they will enter on their own free will and they will leave if they don't feel like it's a value to them, right? The walls of, of this kingdom within the walls will be freedom with without the walls will be whatever everyone else wants it to be. And so, you know, this is like, I have an experiment and it's, it's coming through me and it's coming through very clearly, but it's an experiment that, that I think people have lost sight of. And so within, within, we'll, we'll call it rise. We'll call it rise or, or we can call it Pariso Terreno, which is what I was calling my community before, before rise. So I'll just, so this will make it more about me and my vision that, that doesn't include David's vision and Ryan's vision and anybody else's vision. So I'll just call it Pariso Terreno, this mythical land. I have a vision of creating a place. And by the way, I have people Facebooking me, emailing me, texting me every single day. And so does Jen asking, how can I be a part of Rise? How can I, I just want to come. I just want to work there. I just want to live there. I want to buy a home. I want to invest. What can I do? Tell me what to do. Tell me so who I am. For people who haven't heard our previous shows on this, Rise is 800 acres, uh, about 20 minutes outside of the second biggest city in Costa Rica, which is a country bordering Panama, Nicaragua, um, where uh, a new community, ecological, spiritual community is being built. Go ahead, yeah, please. Thank you. Thank you. So people are seeing our vision. People are coming in to our vision. People love our vision, right? Now, whether this vision is carried out to the T, the way that I see it on rise or not, um, I'm going to say it's carried out to a T in Pariso Terreno. So this vision is a land where people are drawn in from around the world to just to, to be free and to live life purpose and a community of leaders who come and live there. And it's set up in a way where they can lead workshops and lead seminars and lead groups. And there are, there's a, a, a place for, so before rise, when I was going to do it before rise, uh, it was going to, it was only going to be eight homes on eight acres and it was going to back up to Alta Gracia. It was right on the other side of a landing strip from Alta Gracia my favorite resort in Costa Rica. And we were going to have this community of leaders and their people, when they would come into workshops and events, would stay at, at Alta Gracia. And now we don't have a community like this. Like there are lots of people doing different, and there's, lo- there's lots more to this community, right? There's agriculture and permaculture and, and um, different businesses on the property and different ways to make money. I also see a production company on the property where every leader has, has their own television show and everyone's cross promoting each other. So on rise, we're creating 40 homes and, you know, maybe half of them will be leaders. Uh, I mean, there can only be so many leaders with, you know, the amount of um, casitas we'll have. We're, we're, We're building 80 casitas for people to stay. And so this vision is a very clear vision that, that leaders will want to come in and commune. And in RISE, we're calling it a co-creative synergy engine, 
right? Or we're co-creating. And so it's taking the twin flame concept, the sovereign partnership concept, the soulmate concept of working together with your life partner, life partners on life purpose, and creating a community of, of experts, of leaders, of philosophers, of people in finance, of uh, relationship coaches, sex coaches, business coaches, um, internet experts, tech experts, right? Uh, every, uh, medical people, holistic medicine, a birthing center, right? Everything that we could ever need, a school, teachers, teaching kids how to be enlightened, right? So this is, this, is, this is the vision that I'm holding. And it's a vision where these leaders will come in and be taken care of. So they don't have to leave. I'm losing, I'm losing the thread about how this relates to the future of government. Can you pull it back to right. that? Yes. Yeah, I'm pulling it back to, to that right now. So even the leaders that are leading their group, when they, that are leading their, their empire, when they come to us to work with us, they say, oh, my God, I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have anywhere to let my guard down. I don't have anyone to just be normal around. So that's what this community is, is, is a community where people can just relax and know that everything's taken care of by the leadership of that community. And if they wanted to be the leader of their own community, they would have created that, right? They'd create their own property, their own land. And you know, they can if they want to. But in this property, they can come and just relax and just be free and not have to worry about uh, where is their food going to come from, right? The food's growing on the land. Not have to worry about where their clients come going to come from. We're all promoting each other. Uh, the property, the retreat center is promoting everyone. We're promoting the events. We're cross-promoting. We're speaking at each other's events, um, right? We're like we're going to have people on the property that that you know. Let's say we've got we've got a seamstress or 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 uh, um, somebody that fixes shoes or furniture, right? Like this person is going to have a full-time job and they're going to love their job and they're not going to try to be the leader. So, and, and so in a place like this, it's small, it's not the U.S., it's not the, it's a giant target, it'll be easy to maintain, right? There's going to be no reason for people to, you know, for somebody to come in and take over because it would immediately cease to be what made it heaven on earth, right? That's what Pariso Terreno means is heaven on earth paradise on earth it's bringing it's, it's bridging heaven to earth so does that does that kind of answer your question and i mean back to yeah i mean the u.s if if this were to happen in the u.s you know i, I mentioned to you you know if i were to be king of the united states if i were to you know if donald trump with no experience can run for president and and invite people into his dream where enough of the of enough of the u.s will vote for him then so can i because this is what i do i create visions i create dreams and my dreams help people live their dreams, right? So if I was going to do that, what would the military look like? Um, well, first I would, you know, I, I would, uh, I, I don't have all the policy, right? This is where I, I would have advisors and I would uh, have people that actually know what's going on. But what I would like to do is, is eliminate as much as possible of uh, military in other countries and bring that money home and focus on us and still have the military here, but it's, the military here would be protecting the people here, right? And, and so, uh, and there would, there would be somebody on the council that, that I would trust, that we would trust, that the people would trust, that we know has everyone's best interest in mind, not somebody who's trigger happy, not somebody who's kill happy, not somebody who's gonna use a drone to bomb somebody, 
and laugh about it and say, oh my God, watch him burn. It's going to be someone that doesn't want to pull the trigger, but has no problem doing it. Um, there's a book called um, uh, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. You may have read it. Um, and the, the old master in this book is walking with Dan um, Millman, I think it is. I think that's the, the main character of the book. Yeah, that's correct. Dan Millman, yeah. Yeah, so he's walking uh, down the street with him, and he gets they get held up by, um, I think it's like three men with a knife or something. And so the old man takes them all out, just obliterates them, right? Kicks their ass, knocks them all out, and then immediately after starts tending to their wounds and, and has, has Dan call, call an ambulance, call for help, right? And he didn't do it because he, want, he, didn't, he didn't hurt them because he wanted to. He did it because he needed to, to protect himself, right? And so, you know, that is, that is something that I think most people can get behind. Well, um, I'm not really buying this uh, because, first of all, the show's about the future of government. It wasn't, you know, about the future of me or you. And I'm always a little bit, you know, I get a queasy feeling when people insert themselves into something that's about a more general thing. But but I also well, want to think, I, I think I'm just this, using me as a as an example. It doesn't have to yeah, be but me. Yeah, but I think that you – here's what I would say. It, it, uh, there's Shakespeare addressed – many of the things that people like to say and so they're you know that are logical fallacies so one of them that that's common and shakespeare addressed it is people who make assertions like if such and such says it or believes it then well then it's so and this guy says i can call the spirits from the hor or the hoary uh, the hoary deep and the guy says well so can i so can any man but do they come when you call them and so my point in bringing you up was completely different from the where you went, and and my thing is if you create community, and we, we were talking about rise specifically because the property has been bought, so it's real, it's set in motion, and let's just say that you lead a community, and it really happens, of forty people. Now uh, I'm going to switch to Hollywood and then switch back. In Hollywood, a classic thing is that you you can make a movie. If you can make a movie for $25,000 and it makes money and it gets shown, then somebody will give you $50,000. And if you can make a movie that's 50000 and makes money, you can make like you know a movie for 100000 And so you have things like Richard Rodriguez making El Mariachi for $25,000 and then getting to remake it for like a thousand times more with Antonio Banderas right. and all that. You know, that's an example. So my only point is that we are missing something when there are two aspects. One is, the, 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 to me, and I can make this very simple. I, 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 people are telling me you're, you're, you have the ability to cut to the heart of it, so I realize that that's what I want to offer is my gift to people. Right. There's two things. One is you, you pick the form of government and you try it out, and then you make certain claims for it, and you see if it, keeps, if it does it. So are all these claims made for communism, but – the two biggest examples of communism, the USSR and China, both ended up murdering 60 million of their own people. So that's a system right. that should be completely discredited, utterly and completely discredited because we tried it in the real world and it didn't work. But you know, I think anything is worth an experiment if people will do it. And 
at this point, if you can throw computing power at it and you can simulate it and the simulations look good relative to other systems, then you have a person who's the leader and the person says, here's my track record. I did this with 40 people, 80 people, 800 people, 8,000 people, you know, 16,000. And I say this because this is a place where even though they're suffering under an absurd, crazy, um, idiotic ideology, in China, they actually make a point of talking of getting people to run a city, then run a province, then run you know multiple organizations, and they have lots and lots of cross training within government. And there was four mobile companies once, and then they just made all the CEOs of the mobile companies switch companies, you know, and run different things because. And they said, look. The experience of Barack Obama, and I'm not saying this, I'm saying the Chinese are saying this, was, you know, he'd be running a very, very small province, like with his background. I mean, he could be a great president or a great leader maybe later, but the idea is that you build up to it. And so what I think we're missing is we have a system that we're either is tried and true and we're doing that, or a new system, and then we have a person who actually has some relevant experience to do it. Now, what I think so that I make sure that we pay off on the title, you know, because I think it's sort of a promise when we do the title of a show, that the future is going to be that people go um, go crazy with anger at the, the fact that democracy is promising more than it's delivering. The fact is that it's, it's advertising fraud. You know, the FCC should basically say, look, this isn't a democracy, it's false advertising. Stop calling it a democracy. You know, it's something else, and we should come up with a name for it so people know what they're getting. I think that the closest thing to it is corporatocracy or kleptocracy because it's government right. by people who are stealing stuff. You know, look at the military contracts that we have. Like, you can't wash your own clothes. They get put by in a little bag, yeah. and the contractor gets paid $90. I mean, that's just a scam, and we should call it what it is. I think that what's really going to be happening in the future – is this idea of let a thousand alternative forms of government bloom. Like this is what's so great about Iceland. This is what's great about Costa Rica because Costa Rica to me shows the future of of government. So you have um, random mutation and natural selection. Now, Costa Rica is a random mutation in that it did away with its military decades ago. Do you know what year they gave up their military? I don't Mm. know. No, I, I I don't know. Well, it's been it, it decades, wasn't, so it they wasn't think. That long ago. And so then, when I went to Costa Rica, I asked people, "It's like, wow, you gave up your military. You're so great." You know, I said, "What do they do with the money?" And I go, "Well, they didn't really put it in their roads." And I saw that because the worst roads I've ever seen, and I've been all over the world. Right. We're in Costa Rica, and they're not yeah, putting in education. Yeah, they're terrible roads. I see people riding horses. It's like, yeah, I understand because that's more comfortable. So, um, but I don't know what they're doing with the money, probably a fair amount of corruption. Um, and I'm not asking you to agree with me because you have to live there. But my point is we, we have people try different things and then we see their results and then we try that too. And so this is where the United States is lagging is in the ability to look at what innovations in government are happening and then borrow from them. Now, I have a really, really – I'm going to be doing an amazingly fun thing on Election Day in the U.S. I think it's so, so appropriate. I'm going to be in another country talking with them about how to make their country better. 
So I'm going to be in Canada and Toronto with a municipality, and I'm going to be doing a workshop on how to make smart, green, augmented cities. This is from the chapter I wrote in the book I wrote with Brett King, Augmented, Life in the Smart Lane. And what I had them do as a preparation exercise is go into triads, into teams of three, and then find some at least three examples. One example of someone how you make your city smarter, a, a second um, uh, how to make it greener, and third how to make it augmented. And augmented in my definition is you're using AI, robots, drones, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality to make your city you know, more augmented. And I'm blown away by the quality of the ideas. I mean, I would love to live in this place in Canada because it's like, wow, these government people are actually willing to look outside and find ideas. And so I look now, I compare with this one assignment uh, that I did. Like there are people talking about bioluminescent trees so the trees would glow so that they wouldn't have to do street lighting. I mean, it's like, that's a pretty badass, cool idea out of the box. I never heard anyone say that before. So I look in vain at this presidential election or the California election for even one idea that an American politician or candidate has come up with where they said, you know, I support this idea because it's done in these three countries and they've had these three great results with it. It's like they're solipsistic and narcissistic in that they cannot come up with an idea or not invented here syndrome that's from another place. And the thing is that in a world where the the common ideas that we have, what, 7.3 billion people, from the smartest, richest people who are doing things, they're telling me that the world population is over 8 billion. So, we, it, you know, and I, I say this because Jim uh, – is it Jim Channon? Jim Chanos uh, was telling yeah. us it's 7.3 billion and that he knows all these things from the Akashic Record. But I'm, there are people who are really credible saying it's over 8 billion. So within that, every year we have thousands of experiments in government to be able to look at. So to me, the future of government – is having a system to find and evaluate and measure successes and then propagate them and say to other people to do yeah. it so that we don't have to wait a billion years for some genetic advantage. Like let's say the eyeball, you know, the eyesight was invented by evolution at least uh, 15 times. And do you know how many times flight was invented by evolution? Five. There are five different times that flight was invented, but every single time it took millions of years. Well, why do we have to wait even five years, more than five years? I think five years is enough to see if an innovation is working for an intelligent race of people, for an intelligent civilization. So what I want from a candidate is to see their philosophy of government articulated, preferably in a book or a white paper, that they wrote themselves and they say, I wrote this. It was not written for me by somebody else. Yes. And they can give their references, but then they should be able to do the references. Um, I honestly don't think that Donald Trump has the intellectual capacity to write a book on his own. I, 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 I know Hillary didn't write her book. Um, I think Jill Stein could write a book, but let's see, in your own writing, like you, if you're going to run for office, you should have a book, and it should be something that you certify that you wrote, and, and if you lie about it, well, then the person who actually helped you write it should out you. 
you know, and then people yeah. would just stop doing that. So then we know your philosophy, we know your track record, and they sh you should have to write out, here's what I learned and how I worked my way up to being in this position. So I've, I've managed and t looked out for at least a million people for at least a year before I'm asking to look out for 333 million Americans, you know, something on that Absolutely. order. The president of the and United then, States shouldn't be a trust game. And, and then they should have to be able to say, here are at least 10 things from outside my comfort zone, from outside my country, which makes sense to me, which other people have done. So I show that I'm open to new, new and novel ideas. And one of these people is going to be in my cabinet or on my staff so they can you know, know how to implement it. That's my idea of the future of government. And meanwhile, we base our government on cities. We reduce the power of national governments, and we supercharge mayors. And every mayor has a vice mayor in charge of infrastructure, who's in charge of transportation, sewage, renewable energy implementation. And we all agree, like 6,000 mayors in Europe all agreed that they wanted to move to 100% renewable energy. And that is a leadership on a municipal level because cities now have 55% of the human population. And if we get cities wrong, because cities will eventually, within our lifetimes, because I think you and I will live a long time, cities will have something like 70 to 80% of the people. If we don't get cities right, we're not going to get the world right. And so I think that ultimately that we should all be all about talking about how to make cities smarter, greener, and more augmented, and have more and more technology used in the public interest. That's my feeling of the future of government. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love all the, the different forms of government that are popping up, like the, the cities on the water, right? And different cities like ours. And, and yeah, I absolutely think there should be several options, lots of options, where you know not everybody's not everyone's going to feel called to my vision right but there should be an alternative vision that they can be drawn to and and so yeah so my you know our initial plan with Pariso Terreno was to create this community get it funded watch it run like a well-oiled machine you know the problem with a lot of these different types of communities is that they don't get funded or they, they fall flat, they go broke. Um, we've, we've created ours in a way that is going to fund itself. And it's a very important piece of what we, we took money as a, as a very important piece into it rather than a lot of the, the communities are saying, well, money's not important to me or let's get off of money or, or whatever. And that's not everybody. But um, so our initial plan was to create this community in a way that says, okay, this is a viable way of, of creating a community. Now let's do it again and let's do it bigger and let's do it bigger and then let's do it bigger and do it in different, different countries and different places and do one in Hawaii and do one in Belize and do one in, in Europe somewhere and do one in, in New Mexico and, you know, just put them all over the place. And, you know, like, like I told you before the show, when I, when I told Jen, I said, you know what, if, if Trump, if Trump can win 50% of the vote with just a, a vision and, and pulling people into his dream, I'm, I can do it too. And, uh, and she said, well, why don't you wait for 20 years? Uh, she said, maybe in 20 years, if you still want to do it, the U.S. will sort itself out 
and we'll have the experience of creating these communities and it'll, it'll be an easier transition and it'll make more sense. So exactly like you were saying, it'll, it'll make more sense at that point. So, you know, obviously at this point, the extent of, of the, the kingdom that I've run is 200 people in a membership site, right? And you got to start small and then work way up. And it's, you know, it, it, I'm very clear that it's not my job to understand the ins and outs and become an expert of, in, let's say, infrastructure. And it's not my job to understand the ins and outs of um, uh, permaculture, right? Or all these other, all these other things that, or like, you know, the electrician, right? Electricity. Like it is my job to pull on the best person to do that. Like, so it's my job to pull you on to do your genes. And anyway, we've got 20, we got 20 years to think about it. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, this is a form of government that I see working, whether it's on a small scale or a large scale. And um, this, you know, to, to bring it back to the future, I, I, I'm curious if they see the future in this as well, if they see that, wow, yeah, I want to come and just know that everything is taken care of and have that be the measure of success. Money's taken care of, food's taken care of, everything's taken care of so that we can all live our life purpose. So one thing that, that um, so Atia has been, uh, you know, she's, she's run her own crazy successful businesses and and so she came into our our business and was helping us build our business and recently we said atia we need you to do you we need you to be fully on your life purpose i know your life purpose has been to build roadie but now your life purpose is to be you she's a she's a she's an enlightened socialite this is what she does she's well connected in in the higher uh in the higher realms of of society and so we need her fully on her life purpose. And that is, that is what we need from her. We need her to be on her life purpose and that will support us directly and indirectly. And so this is the thing when everybody is on their life purpose, like our job as leaders in our business is to get everyone fully on their life purpose. So they are doing only what they want to do and nothing that drains them, everything that energizes them and excites them. So anyway, that's that. Um, so let's, uh, do you have, do you have any last words before we wrap this up? Sure. Um, I think that it's important, uh, to get other people's opinions. Do we have anybody who it would like to talk to us? You would, you'd offered to have uh, calls, any calls? There's no callers. Okay. Just you, cool. you and me, man, we're the only ones thinking about creating government. <laughs> All right. Well, that's cool. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I do have one other question. What other insights did you have in your meditations over the last few weeks? Mm, I, I got I got the power of creating reality. I got I got I got. Some people talk about reality creation, create your dream, but I got what that really means, and it means being the most awake in the dream. It means having the clearest vision from all sides from every side, not me creating a, a vision for myself and not taking anyone else into consideration, right? That's the dream that's going to go nowhere fast. It's a dream that includes everyone else's dream and a dream that makes everyone else's dream possible. So I'm getting the importance of knowing, 
the okay i got that you can't know anybody else until you truly know yourself because all we are is smoke and mirrors and filters that we see through and everyone's opinion of you is just a cloud of smoke that surrounds and creates form from formless right we're all we're all blank slates we could all be whatever we want and we're raised being told who we are and being told who we aren't and what to do and what not to do. And so as an adult, spiritual adult and otherwise, we need to create the walls of our kingdom, which is our dream, and kick everybody out of it. Kick everybody in our life out of our dream, out of our kingdom, so that then we can choose, okay, who from my old life and my old dreams do I want to bring back into my kingdom? So kick Alex out of my kingdom. Kick my wife out of the kingdom. Kick everyone that works for us out of my kingdom. Kick my best friends out of the kingdom. So from a, a blank slate, from the ebb, from the zero point, I get to choose who do I want in my dream. I want Alex Lightman in my dream, certainly. I want my wife in my dream. I want my kids in my dream. But I'm choosing this from a place of empowerment, not from a place of, well, everybody's already in my dream. And, you know, so... Um, so I, I really got that. I, 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 I feel like I freed myself. I became free. Nobody owns me, right? Nobody, nobody controls me. Nobody owns me. Um, there's nobody that I'm afraid of offending. If, so, if you're afraid of offending somebody, they own you. They control you. They're in your head. They're speaking in your head. I don't have that voice in my head. Nobody owns me. Nobody controls me. I'm free to create my vision, how I, how I want to. And, and people are afraid, uh, people are free to uh, not want to co-create with my vision. Um, but this is, this is where new ideas come from as a place of, if I could do, Hey Bella, let, let daddy finish your show. Okay. Can you close the door please? Thanks sweetheart. Um, if I want to, if I want to create something then people should support me in creating my vision, just like I will support them in creating theirs, whether I want to be a part of theirs or not. Right. And, and there's not, there's actually no should I, I use the word should, but they, they don't need to support me if they don't want to. Um, but everybody's judgments are a reflection of their insecurities. So if you have no, as soon as you have, and this is how we, we've been training people to find true enlightenment is, you know, because everybody thinks they're enlightened. Everybody thinks they're a spiritual adult, right? Everyone in, in the U.S., you, you look on Facebook, everyone's got their own crazy opinion. Um, and you can get five different opinions of people that think that's it um, and, and that will, you know, make fun of anybody else. And so, like, there is, there, you have to understand where everybody's coming from. And you can only do that when you truly know yourself. So instead of everybody focusing on telling other people what to do and how to think, and how to vote, they need to work on themselves and focus on themselves and find themselves and discover who they are. And when you discover who you are, that is when you see other people. When you're aware of your own shadow, when you're aware of your darkness and your traumas, that is when nothing controls you anymore. Nothing surprises you anymore. And that's it. All right, Carlos, good to see you, man. Talk to you soon. Um, and that is the point where you're free to create life purpose. And so I think everyone should be creating life purpose. And so it's not going to look like enlightenment for everybody. Not everyone's here to be enlightened. Jen got a vision the other day of, um, 
a class, a class with everyone's, everyone's asleep on their desk, their heads on their desk. And, you know, one kid wakes up, you know, rubs their eyes, looks around, everybody else is asleep and they put their head back down and go back to sleep too. And this is, this is what's going on. Everyone has moments of lucidity and they say, Oh my God, wow, I'm awake. Wow. You know, maybe they did some plant medicine or they did a journey or they did some, some deep work. Um, and, and then they put their head down because, because they're back in, they're back in the matrix, right? They go, they, they insert themselves back into that classroom where everybody else is asleep. And it's hard to stay awake because everyone else, will, if you're awake and moving around, people say, Hey man, can you stop making so much noise? I'm trying to sleep here. You know, they don't, people don't actually want to be woken up. They, they, they want to, they want to be a part of it. They want to have, they want to have good dreams. Right. And so some people are having nightmares. A lot of people are having nightmares. You can imagine people on the desks twitching or crying or, you know, people are depressed. People are committing suicide. They don't have an option for a better dream. So the person that is most lucid in the dream and is aware that they're dreaming and aware that they can create a dream that works. That is the person that isn't going to wake everybody up. People will wake up when they're ready. It's that person that says, hey, I'm going to whisper in your ear a better dream so you can smile on your desk and, you know, you can lift your head up and make eye contact with me if you want. And, um, you know, people get really pissed off if you try to tell them the truth. And, I mean, you you know this from Jason Ponton, right? Like, (laughs) just for for example, you got people that, that just can't hear the truth. Their heads are asleep on the desk and they're sleepwalking and they're sleep talking and they think that their dream is real. Um, and their dream is real for them. Their dream is real for them and they can have their dream. And I'm not going to try to control their dream. I'm not going to try to tell them what to dream. I'm just going to go over into my little, my little property and create a better dream that works for me and works for those that want to be a part of this dream with me. And as soon as it stops being a part of uh, a dream that they want to co-create with me, either they can leave or I can leave. Right. But there's, there's nothing holding any of us back. There's nothing holding me back from, going and creating another dream somewhere else, right? There's nothing holding anybody back. Um, so that is, that is the freedom. That is true freedom. That is true freedom that, that not many people experience. And so that's, that's the vision that I hold for, for everybody is to at some point experience that level of freedom where they can think what they want, say what they want, actually be who they want, but from a place of empowerment, not freedom of speech to trash people, not freedom of speech to bully people and make people feel like shit. Those are judgments that people need to look inside and, and heal their own shit um, so that they can truly be free because our judgments control us. And, and, and I realized that when I thought I was enlightened and I thought I was perfect, but I saw judgments. And so you can't see anything that's not in, inside of you. Right. Or you just, so I had to polish my mirror. I'm my mirror. The people I hang out with, the people I surround myself with are my mirrors so we all need to polish our mirrors and, and stop being around the people that are uh, just not interested in, in creating a life that works for everybody. So anyway, that's, that's, I, I could go on forever. It's been two weeks of, of, of just the, the, the most amazing freeing downloads and, and uh, perspectives and, um, I, I would recommend that to everybody. It's something that most people don't give themselves the time for, you know, uh, the story of, of Christ going into the desert and, and meeting with the devil. And that's what this is, right? It's finding yourself. It's facing your demons. 
the story of Buddha sitting under the Bodhi tree and, and refused to leave until he found enlightenment, right? The creator of, of Reiki went off in, into the desert and, 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 and fasted until he hallucinated and, and uh, downloaded the, the presuppositions and the keys and the, the signs um, of uh, the symbols of Reiki, right? Um, it takes emptying out your glass to create something new, to create something that's never been done, to, to create your, an original thought in the mind of God. Um, and then, and that's the ebb. And then from there, you go back into the world and you get feedback and you uh, fine tune, right? I, 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 uh, on our group call the other day for 5D Business School, I said, look, all you are is two knobs. You're two giant knobs. In your left hand is a giant tuning knob. In your right hand is a giant volume knob. It's your job to fine tune where you're at and then crank up the volume until, you know, the, the speaker sounds like it's going to break until, you know, something starts going wrong. So you turn it down a little bit and then you fine tune just a little more. Then you crank up the volume. And this is what I've been doing for the last five years of my life is just going and getting on stage and, 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 and saying the, the, the most outrageous stuff that, as it comes through me without fear of, can I say that? Right. Crank up the volume, be seen, be heard. And then notice the feedback and then fine tune and then crank up the volume again and then fine tune and then crank up the volume again and then fine tune. And now I feel like I'm at the place where my tuner knob is, is where it needs to be. And so I can turn down my volume a little bit, but you find yourself by turning up the volume. You don't find yourself by hiding. You don't find yourself by disappearing. You find yourself by turning up the volume and that's where you break the chains of all the limitations that have been placed on you. So anyway, a couple of my insights. I have, I have two other questions that I would love to talk to you about. The first is you run 5D Business School. What does 5D government look like? And can you go quickly, yeah. because some people will be hearing this who haven't heard this, 1D 2D, Absolutely. you know, but what's 5D government? And maybe even take us through 1D to 5D government. Is that possible? So um, let's, let me see. Let me start from 5D, and I'll, I'll, I'll probably work my way down. So a 5D government is going to look different for every person. 5D means I create my dream. So my 5D government it may look different from your 5D government. Your 5D government, where everything works, may look like, um, may look like the equitocracy. That may be perfect for you. It may run so smoothly for you. Whereas I, I don't have that vision. It's not my purpose. It's not my dream. My dream is the, the aristocracy or the benevolent dictatorship where my dream holds so solid that everyone in my kingdom is capable of holding their dreams exactly as they want it. And, and so for those whose 5D reality looks like, again, 5D is just, it's the dream. It's, if, it's the answer to the question, if I could do anything, what would I, what would I do? That's, that's 5D in, in short, right? And I don't even need to put the label of 5D on it, right? So if I could do anything personally, what would I do? I would create a community where everyone is totally free and the measure of success is based on everyone's happiness. And even if, if people think that they know what's going to make them happy, they don't. People don't know how to be happy. This is why people are struggling. I know what people need to be happy. I, this is my life purpose. This is what I've been doing for five years. 
and people will come in and they'll fight me and they're you know pay me a lot of money to argue with me about why I'm wrong, about why they're right. And it's at some point it clicks for them and they say, oh my God, I see what Ben's seeing now. And that's where they say, okay, wow, I, I really have been holding myself back. Now I know, now I know, and, and, and I, I'm not giving them, this is how you're ha- this is how you become happy because this is what I've done. It's, it's, I see you, I know myself. So now I can see you. This is why people climb to the mountaintop to go uh, to see an ascended master to go see a master at the top of the mountaintop because the master knows who he is and nobody influences that. And when you're around somebody that knows who they are, that's where the, the, the fog clears and, and you get to see who you are too, right? So again, everybody's, is, everybody has their own dream and some, you know, a lot of people's dreams are nightmares right now. And so I'm very clear on my dream and a lot of people are attracted to my dream, not everybody. And we only need 40 people to be attracted to my dream. And so, um, so that's a 5D, that's a 5D government. Um, a 3D government, I, I'm not sure what a 4D government is, but a 3D government would be, I think the U.S. is what the U.S. has. The U.S. might even be a 4D government. Um, you know what, I, I think... It, this is this is so hard because it's something I've never thought about in terms of government. But I've I've thought about it in terms of like chakras and power. You know, the power center is is uh, the third chakra, and and the U.S. is has is the the is the third chakra moving up to the fourth, which is the heart chakra. Right. This is this is Jen's downloads. So and and the chakras represent the dimensions. Right. So fourth dimension is where everybody is 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 where you become you become aware of, of life purpose in, in third dimension. You're, you know, you're the blacksmith. You're, you know, you're, you're totally comfortable um, having the level of responsibility that you have. 4d is, a, is an entirely new level of responsibility. And so I feel like that's, that's where the U S is, is headed is from 3d to 4d and maybe even from 40 to 5d, but this is why all the chaos is happening. It's growing pains. Nobody knows who they are. Nobody knows what's happening. It all just seems fucked up, but it's a, it's a direct uh, microcosm, a hologram of transformation and the way that transformation works in an individual, right? They don't just, they don't just come in and say, oh my God, now I'm enlightened. Now I know my life purpose. There's a death process of releasing everything from the old that isn't working so that then they can create something entirely new. And so, um, that's what's happening in the U S right now. And, and, you know, we've got, we've got people in leadership that don't understand the future and how to create the future. And, and the future is transformation. The transformation is creating somebody's individual future. And so, um, yeah, yeah. So Costa Rica, I think is an example of a one D government. And again, no, no dimension is better or worse, right? I, I, we had to get out of the four D government, which is, the 3D, 4D world, which is the US, and we had to come to 1D to create our 5D, right? And so 1D is uh, nature and, and, and the forest and the trees and the jungle and the animals and the information that comes from quieting the voices and the, and the radio waves and the frequency, you know, all the different frequencies and all the different noises coming from everybody else and, and finding who you are. Right. And so this is, you know, this is why the, um, 
the uh, stereotype of the, the enlightened master on top of the mountain because there's nothing to worry about up there, right? And so we had to delete ourselves from everybody else. But the difference between the way that we've done it and the way that the enlightened masters in the past have done it is we're here to bridge the gap. We're here to help regular people be able to live in the regular world with other people, with community, with friends and family and be enlightened, right? Rather than just leaving it all and saying, fuck it all, I'm going to go find myself and stay on the mountain. You know, so I've got a wife, I've got a family, we've, we've got friends, uh, we've got community, right? And it's important for us to include our community in that. So does that, does that answer your question? Yeah, I like it. I had one more question. Um, the last TV shows that I've seen and the last movies I've seen, specifically uh, The Girl on the Train and Inferno, all used the same narrative structure. And that is, you know, that is the unreliable narrator. In other words, you're seeing and feeling and hearing through the eyes of the narrator, the person who's talking to you. And then it turns out that for a variety of reasons, um, alcoholism, um, uh, supposedly a gunshot wound to the head, etc., that they're unreliable. But then you see that it's basically gaslighting. Do you know that term, gaslighting? Yeah. It's it's persuading a person that they're crazy. And so, uh, and in the TV shows, it's like I, uh, Mr. Robot. Effectively, the the protagonist has created. Um, a duplicate of his father. He's cloned his father uh, and and is allowing his father to black him out and take responsibility for certain things that he doesn't want to be responsible for, but he wants to sort of do them, but let himself be out of control. Why do you think, coming from this place of, of being tapped in, why do you think that there are so many uh, movies and TV shows. And by the way, the guy playing this guy got the Emmy. So, you know, he, it makes him more iconic. There's more attention drawn to this. Why are, why are people using this device in this age? What is it about this age where we are told not to trust the narrator, not to trust the person telling us the story? Because I think that prior to, let's say, a few years ago, that the unreliable narrator was used perhaps 1% of the time, and now yep. I see it being used more than 50% of the time. What's yep. going on here? And, yeah, and, and I want know, to say that because – and I want to – it relates to the future of government because I believe that Hillary Clinton is an archetypal uh, – dark Absolutely. female uh, unreliable narrator and i believe that donald trump is a dark archetypal male unreliable narrator and Absolutely. i just i find it just fascinating that that you know art imitates life imitates art and that we are exposed to unreliable narrators and as it turns out whatever people have said whatever the image that's there that as we peel away the truth with daily revelations from WikiLeaks or tapes or so on that the facade falls apart and we're why are we in this blizzard of unreliable narration what the hell is going on yeah that's a great question so and and it's coming from both sides and i i think so my my intuition and we've been thinking a lot about this actually over the last several months is that we again people 
aren't required to wake up. They are allowed to stay asleep on the desk. If they want to, they can keep their head asleep on the desk. So this information is coming through in forms of television and movies for two reasons. It's to either plant the seed that, hey guys, not everything is as it seems and to provide, to instill doubt, right? So that we can think for ourselves and, and, and use our own judgment. Or we could use it to say, yeah, so we, we could use it to, to, to distrust Hillary or we could use it to distrust Julian Assange, right? We could, we could use either one of them as the unreliable narrator, depending on which side we're on, which is, you know, basically created by our past beliefs, by our experiences, um, by our opinions, and by our thoughts of the future, right? And so in a world where nobody knows who they are, they don't understand their shadows, they don't understand their judgments or their pains, it's easy to be manipulated in one way or the other, right? And this also goes back to uh, the CIA creating the term conspiracy theorist. And it goes back to, to even even uh, the Oh, term... my God, you just had me – you just caused me to have two epiphanies. One is the creation of the term conspiracy theorist is a form of institutionalized gaslighting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my God, it's, it's, it's meant same... to make people think that they are crazy when they're not. I never realized exactly. it until this moment. It is. And so they can so, – so the people that are the conspiracy theorists, it, it creates them feeling crazy – and it also creates others thinking they're crazy, right? So the other part of that is the quote-unquote cult, cult leader. So the cult leader, it's a pejorative, right? But if you actually, you know, somebody called me a cult leader the other day. And so I looked it up. I was like, am I? Christine Carlson was like, you guys have an amazing message. You guys have an amazing purpose. And I'm glad you have each other uh, to keep each other in check. And I'm glad that's what's happening because there's a lot of power and a lot of insight. And if, if it was only one of you, if it was only, she said me, if it was only Ben, it would probably end up being a, a cult. And so I, I looked, I looked up the, the term. And if you actually look it up, it basically just says it's a community with a, a term of, with, with a, a set of, of spiritual beliefs or a set of beliefs. That's basically it. Right. Um, but there's such a pejorative around it. And, you know, I don't know if, if the quote-unquote cult leaders of the past, the Jim Jones and all these people, I don't know if, you know, I, I've heard that, you know, they were government insiders, and I, I, have, I, you know, I have no information on that. But I do know that whether they were or not, there are crazy people that are leading people down, down the wrong ways. There are, there, and, and who, who the fuck knows? He may have been right. <laughs> who knows? I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> I have no freaking clue. But people are free to choose what they want to do, right? And if, if, a, if creating a community where everyone is truly free and living their dream and under the, their own spiritual beliefs, whatever those are, not my spiritual beliefs, that is not a prerequisite to live in my community. People to have the judgment of that is a, um, uh, what's, what's, what is the term that I, I said? The, the cult. That is a cult. Right. So what does that do? It both um, makes 
it, it's designed to make me question myself, which doesn't happen anymore. And it's in, it's, and, and it's created to have the people in the community question themselves. It instills fear. And it also creates the person saying that's a cult. You know, if you look at their judgment, it's something they're afraid of. And it will actually keep them from living in a place like that, which is a place of freedom and, and living your own dream, right? And, and, and so what a cult isn't is what's normal. It's religion, it's war, it's poverty. It is whatever, whatever has been normal, that's not a cult. And so if that's not a cult, well, I'd rather be a part of a cult that is, is, is creating dreams for everybody and, and, hold, and holding that for them. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna make everyone drink Kool-Aid. Um, I'm gonna help everyone live long lives and you know, using the information that you've brought to me and to us of how to live, how to live long lives and how to be healthy and how to be happy, right? So that's, that's what's going on. It's, it's, um, it's either, a, it's, it's free will. You'll notice that everything comes with a polarity. Everything comes with both sides. So someone can look at me and say, he's a cult leader. He's crazy. What the fuck is he talking about? He wants to be a dictator. He wants to rule us. You can't rule me, right? They could say that, or they could say, oh, thank God, somebody's got a vision. Somebody knows how to, somebody knows how to be free. Please, 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 please. Freedom is not my life purpose. My life purpose is, is running a tech company, or my life purpose is, is being a blacksmith, or my life, I've spent my entire life studying infrastructure. I haven't had time to find freedom or enlightenment. Well, that's what I've spent my entire life doing. Right. So why is that any different than me telling, uh, uh, why is it any different than me going in and say, Hey, mechanic, why don't you fix my car differently? Cause I saw, I watched fast and furious and now I think I know how to, how to build a car. Like, how, why would it be insane for me to walk into a, a mechanic? Uh, I don't even know what it's called, a shop, <laughs> a garage and tell him how to do his job, but it's okay for him to tell, Obama how to do his job. Does that make sense? Like leadership is the most complicated thing you could possibly do because you're managing everybody's happiness. That is what a true leader does. Managing people's happiness, create happiness for them and freedom and safety, right? The full integrated structure of government, not just I create power, I create money, Right? That's what the U.S. is, power and money and, and GDP growth. They don't focus on happiness. They don't focus on healing addiction. You know this. So I, I know that even while, you're, you know, even while you're playing devil's advocate, I know that we're both saying the same things and we both want the same outcomes. And, and, and that, you know. Well, I do have, I, are, I, I, since you're saying that I'm agreeing with you, I do have one thing to offer for your consideration. And that is that you say that you know yourself but you also say you, that you don't any longer question yourself. There's nothing wrong with questioning yourself. And by the way, since you say I'm in your dream, to some extent, part of your process is to have me come into your dream to perform Absolutely. a valuable service. So in this particular case, <laughs> well, I offer you something that I think is gonna, gonna, you're going to be able to reflect upon in this, in this state of mind. And I think you're going to like it a lot. You ready? For one of the quotes yeah. that you're going to like as much as any you've ever heard. Great. The Japanese have a saying 
that if you haven't seen somebody for three days or more, look at them very closely because they may have changed profoundly. Right. So I think that there's nothing wrong with you questioning yourself because you're not the same man uh, who's my good friend that I that I talked to a week ago or two weeks ago. You you change profoundly. That's one of your 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 gifts, and there's nothing wrong with that. So when you say who you know who you are, well, you know who you are today in this moment. Well, but exactly. You 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 so contain multitudes. You contain myself, multiple personalities, and there's even a show absolutely. we're talking about the unreliable narrator about the most powerful mutant. So the most powerful mutant out of, you know, the 6,000 characters in the Marvel Kingdom, and I can't speak for aliens, but among human mutants, is a guy named Legion. Because Legion has the ability to become many, many, many different kinds of mutants. But because he has so many personas, he's also crazy. Because he, and he doesn't know what's real and what's not real. And that makes him fascinating. There's a whole TV show coming out about him as both this powerful person and as this you know person. So there's nothing wrong with questioning yourself. It does. It's really so, okay. Right. So here's so there's a different there's a difference in questioning. So when you first start on your path, you question your world as you know what am I doing wrong? You know, you're asking yourself questions like that. What am I doing wrong? Why is this happening to me? Why am I fucked up? Right. Now, the, the, the me that I know, that when I say I know myself, I know that I'm someone who's constantly evolving. I know that I'm somebody that's going to shed my skin every other week or every other month. That's what I know. I know about myself that I am designed for rapid growth. I am not designed to stand still. And as my wife so elegantly put it, People were not made to stand still on pedestals. And so another thing I said on the call yesterday, I said, your only job is to be, I said, your job isn't to be right. Your job is to be you. Your job is not. And, and my to point be is that, the, that our you is vast and changing and mutating. And so the, the being too much into I know myself or know thyself, it can, be a, it can allow one to create an image that becomes a prison, a, a skin-encapsulated ego prison where we think I am this. And I, I, my mother, and I might have told you this before, and if I repeat myself, I apologize, but my mother once drew a line on a piece of paper as, when I was a child, and she said on this line on the left side is adaptation to your environment. And on the right side here is adaptability. And she said that you always want to make sure that you maintain adaptability, even if it means that you become less expert at any given moment, um, yes. you know, in, in, yes. in, in, in this. And I just thought that that, that it actually has turned out to be profoundly useful advice. And she walked her talk in this. I went to 15 schools and five high schools. She moved us around just so that I would be in a position to become more adaptable. So I'm less attached to who I am, and this is why I like this show. You know, and and, I, and uh, I don't know if people know it, but you're the one who came up with the name, or you and Atia together came up Atia with the name, which I've, I've loved because it, it, it puts the focus for me on what I'm becoming, what you're becoming, what we're becoming in the future. And I guess the one thing if I know myself is that I'm a learning machine. I'm a transforming machine. 
And I guess that's my, my last question, um, if you don't mind, is what, um, what is it that we uh, can do to become more able to learn? How can we learn more and faster? Great. So I want to first address um, the very important point you brought up of as soon as you know yourself, you stop growing. Right? As soon as you think you know, you stop growing. Um, not your exact words. Um, so you know, in, in the Tao, it says, uh, basically it says, he that thinks, uh, he that does not know, who, he that knows he doesn't know, knows. He that thinks he knows is diseased. So when I say I know who I am, it's not that I know that I'm going to be this person forever. It's I know that I'm adaptable. It's I know that, that I can be whatever it needs to be for whatever situation, for growth, for growth, for expansion, for freedom, right? And so, and, and that's, that's learning. That's learning. So I know that anything is possible. And I'm not talking about walking through walls. And you know, I, don't, I don't have that yet. <laughs> I don't have that belief yet in my dream. Um, but I know from my experience that I can do anything. And so that, I think, is the answer to how do you learn is, is you do. You do things that you never thought was possible. Because I've done so many things in my life that I, that I thought was totally impossible. Everyone told me it was impossible. Everyone told me I was insane. Right. And so if I'm, if I'm to listen to any other voice that says you're insane, don't do it. If I would have listened to that voice, I would not be where I'm at right now, which is happy, <laughs> which is free, which is with the love of my life, with, which is with my two beautiful kids and another one on the way. I would absolutely not have this if I would have listened to other people tell me who I am. So when I say I know who I am, who I am is whoever I want to be at any given moment. Who I am not is who anybody else thinks I am. Who anybody else thinks I am, anybody else's opinion of me, anybody else's uh, interpretations of me is just a cloud, cloud creating form. The form's in there, but it's not the cloud, right? It's, it's just the fart. <laughs> so, the, in my experience, and I, I, you know, I know you and I are going to co-lead a retreat about this at some point, um, about how to learn and how to create the future. And I know that the way you learn is very different than the way I do, but the way I learn is through fucking things up. The way that I learn is, is by doing things that I'm told is impossible, that my higher self's telling me to do, that I know I'm supposed to do. And, and I go and do it, and I figure it out. I, throw, I, I burn the boat. I throw myself off the cliff and I learn to fly, right? And that, that is how I learn what's possible for me, not what other people tell me to. And so one thing we always say is only listen to people that tell you, uh, listen, listen, listen to the people that know you and support you in that knowing and support you in being the best version of yourself. Not the person that not the person that, that doesn't know you and tells you to stay safe. Now, if you've got someone that knows you and says, "Okay, I hear what you want to do," I got I got to say that to I talk to these guys. I'm doing interviews for my drug protocol uh, set up by yeah. um, Stephen Estes, um, right. 
and uh, from Stargate Recovery. And I was talking to these guys at Treehouse. Treehouse has the most similar program to the drug, the, the Lightman Stargate protocol I'm working on. And that is the core of their program, what you just said. They said it's not just about not using drugs and not being an addict. It's about being the best version of yourself. And that's yeah. the core of their program. So I always am, am delighted and I feel this kind of frisson of joy and pleasure and this shivering in, that shoots up my spine when two people from completely different parts of life use <laughs> similar language in a similar context, you know, towards different ends. It tells me that, that it's like breadcrumbs for Hansel and Gretel, you know, going through, finding so their tell way. Me, I love tell that. Me if this so is, what do you mean by, by your... being the – what's that? Tell me if this is a part of your, your uh, Lightman Stargate protocol. So one thing that we do that really just lifts the weight off of somebody's shoulders, I mean, they can come in depressed and leave the happiest person alive, is showing them that they're perfect. So an addict, I mean, what, like, what can you do that's, that's a whole lot more shameful than being an addict. People are so ashamed of being an addict and being in recovery and they won't tell anyone where they are. They're in recovery, right? Because they think it's, it's something wrong, bad. And so what people need to know, what these addicts need to know, what people in recovery, people that are healing need to know is that they're perfect. They use because they think they're not perfect and their life's not perfect. And so of course they have to, you know, like, as you know, the reason people go back into remission is because they're hanging out in with their old friends who are also addicts. And so in order to stop being an addict, you have to create a new container for yourself. And this is what we talk about in the sixth module of 5D Business School. 6D is creating your kingdom that is your future, not your past, not your present. What do I want for the future? So like what, what is the kingdom that holds my highest, that holds my best self in? And so this kingdom for Jen and I is where we live right now. It holds our best self in. Now, an addict, if he, you know, he's in a, a location, rehab, that holds his best self in of, of getting off the drug. That is, that is the container that he's in. That is, that is the kingdom that he's in, right? There's a, there's a benevolent dictatorship. The addict doesn't vote. The addict is here to learn. The addict is here to change, to learn something new, to become a better person. He doesn't, he doesn't vote <laughs> on, on his protocol. It's your job, Alex, to create the protocol. It's Stargate's job to create the protocol because they have studied this. It's their expertise. They're the best at it, right? So what the addict needs to know is why they did what they did. They need to know not only how to create a, a new container for them, a new kingdom, a new life, but they also need to understand their motivations for doing it in the first place. And they need to understand You're, you're, that you're correct. Perfect. In fact, what, what these guys were very proud of, and I loved it. I just felt that I felt so much happiness when they said it. They said that our addicts, when, they're, when they graduate, they know more about their brains and their brain yes. chemistry than, yes. than neurologists and brain science. And they can sit and yes. talk to you for hours about their brains. And that's part of the program. It's intense exercise and making you a master at understanding all the aspects of your brain and your brain chemistry and GABA and serotonin and dopamine because then you have an operator's manual. And what blows me away is that we're so worried about drugs, and we should be, 40.2 million addicts, and yet we don't 
teach people. We don't give them an op, a, um, a, an operator's manual to the brain. Like, Absolutely. I don't understand why we don't, but we could. I think we both understand why they don't. <laughs> but anyway, let's wrap this show up. I got date day. I've got a date to get on. Um, it was, it's been great. It's been a always a enlightening conversation. Um, I can't wait to find out what we're doing next week. Any last words? Well, uh, some pe- some people have written me and told me that the podcast got cut off right when we were talking about the unreliable narrator. So since that yeah. conversation was missing, um, well, no, what do you think about recording. it? Oh, okay. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that we should have a show in um, on, on sanity and and how to Great. you know and an operating manual for your brain and your life. What do you think Great. of that? Okay, Let's do it. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Ben. What, right, a, what a joy and a pleasure it's been talking with you today. It's made, it's made my week. <laughs> Big hug, brother. Big hug. Talk to you soon. Cheers. My love to Jen and the kids. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 